Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, the mindfulinvestor.net. I'm here with Glenn, glennsutherland.com, and Darcy, darcywhite.ca. And today we will be discussing debt challenges, banks and the way they assess risk. So I'm going to start us off. Um, I think uh, when we talk debt, so you can, on the one hand, you have debt. On the other hand, you have equity. Um, each of them has its own advantages. Debt is less regulated than uh, than uh, equity. If you want to raise uh, debt um, compared to raising capital, uh, you know, there is um, the Ontario Securities Commission here in Ontario. Um, and um, when you think about um, uh, debt, for example, can be, you can, you can use, um, and it's based on the risk. Debt will be more expensive the more the riskier the deal is. For example, if you have a, a high value add deal, for example, uh, a rehab, or uh, you buy, a, let's say, you know, in my field, you buy a mobile home park with a lot of vacancies, with rents that are way below market. Uh, you can get uh, you can get debt on the asset. It's secured by the asset, and and then you can reposition the asset. You take either six. You can take between. It can take between six months to a year uh, for rent to increase and to fill up the vacancies, and then um, and then you can refinance with a more traditional debt. And usually the risk is reflect, re reflected, as I was saying, in the interest rate you will be paying. Um, like we said, with bridge loans or hard money loan. Um, banks may require more money to be poured into a deal at renewal if they perceive that there is a risk with the debt service coverage ratio, which we're going to see more of now that the interest rates have, have risen a bit. Um, and right now, though, uh, we can mention a few programs that exist here in Canada um, where the government through CMHC is going to secure the debts and uh, which which are meant to help with affordable housing. So if some of the units are affordable, then uh, you can get um, a, a program like MLI Select, for example. Uh, it helps with development or the purchase of existing units and um, different programs help with different um, cases. And then you can uh, have a, a lower interest rate, uh, longer time amortization based on the, uh, the shape the building is in. So these are some of the, the the things the government is doing currently to to assist with the with the affordable housing. That's interesting stuff. Um, <clears throat> I didn't actually prepare for this talk. I thought of it in a totally different subject. I was thinking about how the market was doing right now and how we were how the higher interest rates were affecting everything. But I can talk to this because I, I I have this as part of my coaching program. So I have it in the back of my head that I can just talk about financing anytime. But um for me, uh, as everyone who knows, this is Glenn talking and I do investing in the US, right? So when we're investing in the US, we are foreign nationals. That's what they classify us under. We're Canadians investing in the US, which are foreign nationals. And believe it or not, uh, we are more risky. So um, we are going to have higher rates than Americans investing in the US. And the same thing goes both directions. If an American was to come and invest in Canada, which they do, right? They are going to have a higher interest rate than what a Canadian investing in Canada would have. Right, they are typically going to pay an extra percentage. Do you want to tease out why? You're going to say why? Well, it's it's all about risk. It's all about collection, right? Yeah. Um, 
they don't have the same ability to collect on us. It, it, the way that a lot of these work is they try to have to serve you with a process server, and there isn't they don't have the authority to cross the border to give us these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, so people could just skip out on these loans altogether, right? Um, yep. So anyway, yeah, um, investing in states, it is going to be more expensive um, than if you're an American. You could partner with an American. There's lots of ways to get creative with this. You could work with some of the Canadian banks. Um, Canadian banks can get you uh, some some lower rates based on your Canadian credit scores and stuff, which will could help you. Um, <clears throat> the other thing about this is, it depends what you're trying to do because we just classified um, lending in one big bucket. There is multiple different buckets of lending. Like there's purchase lending, like for buying a house. There's cash out refi lending. There, there's all kinds of lending to, to go through, and a lot of it comes down to when even when you're dealing with the different levels of uh, interest rates, it comes down to the risk that the bank is taking, how much skin the bank, uh, how much skin in the game you are putting in. Right. Um, and you think about it when if you're buying that exact same house. Um, actually, I'm not going to come up with random numbers, but you can get the idea that if you're buying a house, you're typically going to put down, you know, uh, you know, 20 percent to, you know, 40 percent, you know, somewhere in there as a deposit to, yeah. to, as your portion to this property, your equity in this property. Um, yeah. Whereas if you've done a cash out refi correctly, you're leaving nothing in the deal. You're stripping all of the equity out. And the likelihood of something really went bad is that you just walk away, right? You just mm -hmm. be like, you know, I've got all my money out. I've broken even. This just had a $100,000 expense and it's a $200,000 house. Forget it. I'm going to go. I'm just going to walk and you leave it with the bank, right? So there's a higher risk on certain pro loan programs too. So you have to understand that different loan programs are going to have different risk levels, right? Yeah. And since we're talking, you know, Keynes and investing in the US, even the way they look at the assets is different depending on who the bank is, right? That's so right. if you're typically, um, if you're going to go work with, say, a Canadian bank, they're going to make you personally qualify. Every loan, I believe, and Darcy can correct me here, I believe every loan in Canada has someone, a personal qualifier to it, right? I've never been able to get around it. We're just not yeah. big enough, you know, and we're so, doing tens of millions of dollars. that's going to with your American loans as well. Down in the U.S., you want to work with RBC, TD, um, the RB, uh, what is the other ones? Desjardins, National, CIBC, BMO, they're all down there, right? Um, but you want to work with them, they're going to make you personally qualify for these loans. And a lot of times, depending on the bank, but most of them won't even let you close in a corporation. They want you to personally close these and then you can change, well, I'm not, a, you can change title, but you do see some professional advice before you do something like that or take my course. I'm not going to go into a side tangent on that whole thing. Um, but they're going to, you know, classify you based on your income, your the debt service ratio on this, uh, all of your stuff, right? Um, DSCR, so the coverage ratio. So what I've been seeing is, you know, a lot of times before when things were going good, as long as you're a 1.0 DSCR, you're good. And now they're really looking for like a 1.3 and higher, right? In order to be able to pull this off. Um, so it's just, things are changing, right? Um, with the banks. Can you um, explain that for people that might not know what a debt service ratio is or the coverage ratio? Oh. They're not super mathy. <laughs> well, cover, it basically, it's the amount of income divided by your expenses, right? If you yeah. break even every month, it's going to be a 1.0, right? So they used to, as long as you broke even, they used to lend on it. Now they don't. <clears throat> They want you to, see to overshoot it substantially. 
In Canada, they went as low as 1.2 in some yeah. banks, but now it's 1.3 and they might claim 1.3, but in actual fact, it works out much higher. They're much more skittish right now. Yeah. So, it's, um, it's the net operating income divided by the debt service. That's the yes. Yeah, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I don't have my notes. No, it's good. No, it's good. I just <laughs> want to make sure when we talk about a yeah, yeah. I mentioned the term we cover it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I won't go into too much about a tangent about the U.S. stuff. Otherwise, you can just listen to my other podcast. But um, for the difference is if you're going with the American banks or the online banks or the hard money banks or there's so many different types of banks down in the U.S. Um, but if you're working with those, um, a lot of those loans could be uh, non-recourse, meaning there's no person qualifying for the loan. It's the corporation that's actually, or entity that is actually yeah. qualified for that loan and not a person. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas they don't really do that in Canada, right? Not um, at all. So it's, it is, it, there's an advantage there, right? But anyway, I don't know that there's a lot of differences for risk. I could, I could talk about financing for like two hours. I literally That's do. It. We could pull our, <laughs> we should pull up our chairs close to the fire and talk about this. Cause this is the, this is the nuts and bolts of, of um, real estate purchasing and investing. Um, that makes a really good point though. Um, the difference between the two countries are a difference in attitude towards risk. Um, can, you know, you haven't seen banks fail in Canada. You've never, you haven't seen investment firms fail in Canada. Um, I can't think in recent memory, but you have banks that, and investment firms that fail as recently as 2007, eight, and nine yeah. um, that just disappear. Could you imagine in Canada, for instance, CIBC just disappeared? It, yeah. it doesn't happen. You have deposit insurance. There's limitations on it, but the Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation insures your deposits. You can have a small bank in some place in the states and your deposits are not insured someone well they, robs the bank or leaves you, with the money since you brought that up if you yeah. when you go to the, the web bank web page if you want to know if it is insured you need to see the f is it fdic logo yeah. in the bottom corner to show yeah. that it is uh insured up to 100 grand each account so it's yeah. one thing to think about you're you're still your money's only insured to 100 grand so when yeah. you sell a house and you have that money in there maybe put it into two accounts because part of that isn't insured at all that's right <laughs> So it's it, the different perspective on risk is both cultural, national, and in some cases, regional. Like well, we've had discussions with the big five, that's the uh, CIBC, RBC, TD, BMO, and um, what did I miss? Our Royal Bank. Um, they have allocations, regional allocations, because they're national banks. And they have allocations within those allocations, so much into commercial, so much into, and then breakdown and commercial into, um, we're trying to stimulate, and, or we see value in high bay concrete tilt up uh, uh, intermodal. That's what we're putting our money into. 60% of our pot in this quarter is going into refinancing these kind of projects. Or banks have a personality. Canadian Western Bank is a developer's bank. In Western Canada, they do a lot of owner-operated sort of things, um, uh, equipment loans, uh, project loans, and building loans. They don't do a lot of residential. We're one of the handful of clients in Western Canada that they do residential apartments with, and they're trying to build into that. So matching up the bank that has the same appreciation for the risk and the project you're working in is a little bit of experience and sleuthing it out. And, you know, it's not unpleasurable work. You can go for lunch and have lunch with a banker and usually they pay. So it's worth doing, you get an education and you find out if they're a good fit for you. Um, I would break down risk and my brother and I, Don White, who does a lot of our backroom kind of stuff, um, we keep him in a cage and feed him cookies and, co and <laughs> coffee. 
Um, he talks about it in terms of specific risk and general risks. There's different types. To real estate, you have specific real estate kind of risks that the bank is very detailed on. And they'll, you can mitigate those. You can answer those questions. What is your debt service ratio? Well, it's 1.15. I'm sorry, we can't loan on that. We need 1.32. So you can hit the targets, you either increase your rents, reduce your expenses, or you find another bank, another partner to dance with. Those are ones that you're very specific, detailed. This is what we're talking about. So those could be your vacancy rate, yours internally, and the market one that's produced by CMHC if you're a Canadian. There's a host of other services that Glenn uses in the States uh, for profit services and paid and public ones. But in Canada, they're generally using CMHC's posted rates. If you do your own work and you can show your own internal vacancy rate over a period of time, they will accept it if you can document it. So with I do that with all my properties. I show a better than market vacancy rate um, and it gets me preferential funding because I can document a specific risk that's been mitigated with better management of vacancies. So specific risks that we're talking about, they're looking at vacancies, they're looking at mortgage coverage, what your rents are relative to the market, how many of your rents are above and below, what your collections look like, how many bad debts in the last three years. So if you, because you have to produce your last three years of profit and, learn, uh, profit and loss statements, if it's a refinance, or the vendors, if you're purchasing, if they don't have it, you're you're short of documentation to help you. If they don't have it and it's bad, you probably don't want it. But still, you can document these specific risks and mitigate for them. And the bank can adjust their rate profile based on the risks that they see articulated in specific risks. It would be a building condition report. What's the condition of the property? If it's got missing windows, brick pointing that's vacant, drafty this, bad roof, that's a high risk property. And it's going to affect your financing. You probably won't get it if it's as I described. But better properties get better financing. And they may make recommendations to you. We can loan. We have this. We can loan with CMHC insured loan. But we're going to require you to replace that aging boiler. And my protest was, but it's only 21 years old. We've had it for five years since we purchased it. It works remarkably well. We've, you know, here's our service records for five years. It says, no, it's too old. We don't, we don't feel comfortable with that. So we're going to advance funding, but we're going to hold back 60000 until you replace the boiler. Replace the boiler for twenty two. We got our money. But they see things that way. What are the potentials in this, specific potentials within this building to produce risk that might make you walk away from this building or an expensive bill that would impinge your ability to pay your mortgage on time? Because that's what they're looking for. Steady, reliable mortgage payments, principal and interest, right? Um, other ones would be environmental issues. So most properties in Canada now, you have to have a phase one environmental audit, which is an oral report we've mentioned before that assures the bank that there never used to be a timber treatment plant on that spot, that there isn't a giant um, oil slick under there from a, a leaky gas station that never mitigated the soil, that there isn't a buried uh, bunker oil heating tank that's buried under that property. Now you get that with residential, anything residential from before the 1950s, probably had heating oil and there was a tank somewhere on the property and they probably didn't decommission it with a certification because you didn't require one until the 80s so if that heating oil was taken out in 1957 or 1967 you probably don't have a certificate of decommissioning and a record of it on the property and you're going to have to go around and find it dig it up and test the soil but those are specific environmental risks that the bank is worried about that are specific just to real estate uh can you cover the integrity of the the building with the engineering and stuff. We Absolutely. Need. You do a building inspection report at the bare minimum when you buy it. 
Um, and they're as good as the inspection report. You know, they vary all across the board. But the banks are looking for some kind of assurance with the wording that if the amortization schedule is 20 years, that the building has a 20-year economic life. If you're looking at a 30 or a 50-year amortization schedule, they need explicit language in there from a qualified professional that says the panel is working. The building's foundation is structurally sound. It has a 50-year economic life. That doesn't mean that the building will last for 50 years without maintenance. It means a reasonable person maintaining this building to a community standard, it will last for 50 more years and be safe housing for people. Um, you know, there's other, I'm going on a bit, but there's specific risks. I think this is important for people to understand. Then there's general risks that affect the attitude of the broker and the banks. Um, so for instance, um, you know, what's the history of the market? If you're investing in a risky market where a mill has closed, the bank might take that into account and go, we don't really trust that market. Uh, we can't give you a great rate there. You're going to pay for the risk of that shitey market. Um, there could be other things, well, uh, global things. There, but when you talk about markets too, I've had troubles getting in financing properties if the village is too small. Um, yeah. they, they, there's the perceived risk and you have to be so close to a city, right? Um, so that people can have jobs. And if they are in basically a town that doesn't have jobs and they're just a village, then um, my leverage rate went down. Yeah, just to take the risk off of them. So even with the national banks, they use their bro their network of other banks in the town that you're in to go out and look at that property. So you might be talking with CIBC mortgages in Toronto, but they're using the bank manager or the loan officer in Duncan to get in his car and drive over and take a look at your building and to confirm what they're seeing. Or they'll talk to that person about the market. What are we seeing in this market? Are People Are mills closing? Are people losing homes? I mean, the truth is, um, we all know Paul uh, Turgeon. He used to work for CMHC, and he was in charge of the Prairie region. When I talked to him, he said CMHC, in the decade that he worked for them, had less than a handful of mortgages fail. Virtually none. Virtually none. They do so much work to make sure that they won't fail when they insure a mortgage that he said his job was mostly boring because they never had defaults. They had done such a good of assessing, such a good job of assessing the quality of candidates that they never failed. Now, to get a CMHC mortgage, the bar is really high. You re, you honestly have to qualify. It's not just a rubber stamp. You know, some places you can get money and it's sketchy. And you listen to podcasts from south of the border and you go, holy crap, that is just dangerously easy. In Canada, it is really quite difficult. Um, the final one that's a newer kind of thing is anti-AML requirements, anti-money laundering requirements. Increasingly, Canadian government wants to know who's behind the corporation. Now, you might have a hold co for um, tax reasons, for convenience reasons, since you're having one person represent a larger group in signing or taking authority, or for the tax benefits of a corporation and that you can distribute via dividends or income, you know, those other kind of things, how you can use a dividend. Um, a corporation, but banks view that with some suspicion because you know shady players in this market have hidden behind corporations, to, shell corporations to bring money into the company, purchase buildings, refinance them, evacuate the money out of the shell corporations, and spend them on other things. We don't know; it's not a lot, but there's enough that it's on the radar of banks. And now, the other risk, that the general risk that they're looking at when you're qualifying for loans are who's behind it, who are your partners, how can you document this, how can you qualify for banking in Canada, because Canadian banking is mostly for Canadians. It's for the benefit of Canadians, for home ownership and business loans, and for industrial loans. 
and yet they'll loan to foreigners provided it provides a benefit to Canadians. They're not, the Canadian banks aren't here to make foreigners wealthy and take the money off to another country. They're here for the benefit of Canada. That's the charter that they have. So all of this work, and sometimes it'd be kind of frustrating and they feel that they're fighting you. It's just because they see risk and things that you might not see. They may have a, a lens on it, on an issue that you're not aware of. And knowing what that is and talking with a banker and trying to get the right fit is always a really good idea. And also my final advice is make sure they pay for lunch. <laughs> Why not, right? You're going to do business with them. Make sure they pay for lunch. I'm sure my banker friends that are listening today are loving this. And now I'm going to have to pay for the next couple of lunches, but still it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know. That was a bit of a long go, but there's so much material here. This is such rich stuff. Maybe that just says I'm a massive bank nerd, but I love this stuff. I honestly think we could talk about this in like 10 different angles of the whole yeah. financing and banks. And there's so much to it. Yeah. Plus we have two I, different countries to talk about. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'd encourage listeners, send us your questions, right? We're really responsible. We'll get back to them. I think the episodes are running about maybe three or four weeks behind our recordings. So it's pretty timely. Send them straight up. We'll put them into the next, uh, the next episode. If you have questions about banking, um, you know, your CMEC application is going to take you almost 11 to 12 weeks. So you're in the stew for a while if you're doing that. Regular banking is going to take four to six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks right now. Um, I can't tell you where interest rates are going to go. They're going to go all over the place. But we can answer other questions. <laughs> yeah, just send them at uh, advancedreitalk at gmail.com. It's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.